This is the Leading Second Podcast. We're on a mission to raise up uncommon church builders and be the kind of leaders our pastors would kill to have on the team. What's up, Leading Second? Welcome back to season three of the Leading Second podcast. My name is Brandon Stewart. So excited and honored to have you with us today. If you lead from the middle, then this conversation is going to be for you today. If you are on a church team, you have a heart to see your church move forward, um, then Leading Second is your tribe. Welcome home. So glad you're here and you found this space today. Uh, Hey, today we have a conversation teed up for you that is all about the relationship between a lead pastor and their team. I am so excited and honored that we had the opportunity recently to sit down with Pastor Chris Dursa, the lead pastor of Saints Church in New York City, and a member of his lead team, who I highly respect, Ralph Castillo. And uh, we had an awesome conversation on this topic that I think is just going to give you wisdom. It's going to breathe life into you. It's going to give you some perspective from two leaders who are also on this journey to get it right between the proverbial first chair and second chair. So it's going to be a great conversation today. Before we get into this conversation, I want to make a note about it. Uh, Whenever we refer to the second chair, that term at leading second, I want you to know something. I want you to know that we are referring to and including everyone who has a heart to serve the vision of your church and move your church forward. In other words, if you're on the team, even if you're not a direct report to your pastor, then you are included in this conversation. In fact, for years on our own team at my home church, uh, I wasn't a direct report to my pastor. Times I was, times I wasn't yet. I always committed in my heart I would get this relationship right, whether it was a direct report or from a distance, I wanted to lead second well. It was just a revelation that I carried, and I know every person in the organization can carry, no matter where you're at. Um, This conversation was recorded during a live leading second meetup, and so you're going to hear us answer questions from a live group of listeners who were with us on the webinar Uh, To get access to future conversations like this, make sure you're part of the Leading Second Collective uh, Facebook group, and um, we have some more exclusive conversations coming for that community here in the future. Listen, I highly respect Saints Church, Pastor Chris Durso, Ralph Castillo, and the entire team at Saints Church, so um, this is going to be an incredible conversation. I hope you get something out of it. Let's join this Leading Second meetup already in progress. Here we go. I wanted to share, first of all, as we get started today, my intention for this conversation is to have a, a really strong and real conversation kind of between the proverbial first chair and second chair and and a lead pastor and someone who represents a lead team. And so everyone who is who is watching or listening to this today, uh, I know that you're here because you're like me. You want to get it right with your pastor. So we have some gold uh, sitting with us today that I want you to help me just 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 mine for and let's let's just do what we can in this season to stay healthy and to get it right with our with our pastors so first of all I'd love to get started today uh, just by um, hearing from you about your relationship because even beyond first chair second chair lead pastor lead team even beyond that you two have a very special relationship and why don't you maybe unpack that for us for uh, a minute to get started today 
Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, Brent, thank you for having us. Uh, yeah. I love what you do. I love what this represents. What a gift, um, especially in a world where everyone is looking to be number one. Uh, we have way more people that that sit and live in that second position and that really need that help. And I just love that you just shine a light on it. You bring so much clarity to it. So thank you for having us, uh, honestly. But you, this is a gift. And to everyone watching, I'm sure I speak on behalf of them, man. Thank you. Thank you for doing it. Um, but yeah, man, me and me and Ralph do have a very special relationship. Uh, Ralph grew up in my house. I mean, from as long as I can remember, um, he is he's, he's my brother. That's how I look at Ralph. That's how I describe Ralph. And obviously, he's a little bit older than I am. Um, so he was a big part of, I mean, helping me grow up from teaching me Spanish uh, in school to being a youth leader in youth ministry and dealing with, with life's issues in that regard. And then I transitioned into the youth ministry role. Well, he and my older brother started a youth ministry that I took over that later became Misfit NYC. Um, and then when I transitioned to becoming the, the lead pastor of our church, 35-year-old church, by the way, Christ Tabernacle Church that my parents started, uh, Ralph, who would have been over me my, over my life, and then we had a really short window of kind of working shoulder to shoulder, and then to now me being his, his lead pastor. And it's a very unique relationship. Uh, for, for me and my wife, we would, we would sing Ralph's praises all day because there's very few. There's very few that would, that would humbly take on that role, knowing what he knows. Because besides the fact of being a great leader, he's a phenomenal preacher, NYU grad. Uh, he's not going to tell you all these things. He could lead his own church, and he could go get a job anywhere else, and yet he feels called to be with us, which is just, you know, mind-blowing. You, you just said the reason I felt called to start leading second, and that is people who could even in their own right go out and, and do their own thing and have their own church and yet choose to, to serve quote unquote, another man's vision or, you know, sir, stay planted in that second seat. Yeah. That, that was the revelation I had at, at a young age. And I think what I hope everyone watching would hear Ralph, what was it like for you to go from leading someone, you know, the pastor's kid, you know, leading someone to then calling him your pastor? What was the moment where you had like the revelation about that? And what was that journey like for you? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I would just say that for me, full candor, I still haven't gotten over the fact that um, Jesus saved me, led me to Christ's tabernacle. And then, you know, the Bible says he sets the lonely in families. And so he put me in a village. And because of the podcast, I actually had to do the math I've been at the church for over 30 years as a member, and and just this week, ironically, uh, this is my 18th year on full-time staff. Amazing. To be told, I just haven't gotten over that, and the privilege I've had to serve Michael Durso, serve with Adam, and now to be here with Chris. I'm like, somebody pinched me. Uh, I, I still can't believe that that's, that's even a thing. Uh, but it is. And um, truth be told, um, I've always been very comfortable in the lane or the chair. Uh, whatever God carves out, that's his, that's his prerogative, his business, his decision. Mine is to come up under. And uh, so I'm not saying that it's 
always easy, but it is fairly easy because Jesus is meek, you know, and meekness is strength under control. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. And uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. But, but would you agree, and that's beautiful, but would you agree that that is a revelation that it, it's not just a great thought. It's not a trendy thought. Like it's something that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I had good indoctrination. Uh, Chris and I talk about this all the time. We were a church for 20 years. No one even knew about us. Our church was in the middle of a block that if you blinked, you would miss it. Um, and so we were able to incubate in the dark. We weren't doing this for any other reason than the love of Jesus and the love of the game. So the truth is we had good discipleship. It was never about that. So I had a good run in the dark where it never was that. The struggle now with, you know, platform and notoriety and, you know, our ego, you have to check that thing. But we had a lot of practice in the dark with nobody looking. We woke up one day and we were like, you actually care what we're doing? We were so engrossed in the work that we didn't even know anyone would care. Uh, and so I'm grateful for, for that. I, again, I, I say easy to your point. Yeah. A revelation, but I think good discipleship, good indoctrination can get, get you there as well. Great way to say it. Great way to say it. Um, I think what I hope we communicate today is that there is freedom in following and it's not it's not what the world says it is where it's limiting it's stifling you lo- you know you become some mindless robot there, there's actually it pulls more out of you and and there's incredible fleet, freedom of course incredible blessing from god in following uh chris let me go to you for a minute uh, just talking about Ralph and, and talking about your lead team we kind of have Ralph on this call today to represent what really is a lead team around you and my question for you would be how have Ralph and members of that lead team led and carried themselves in such a way that gave you confidence and gives you confidence as a pastor that when they're in a room and you're not, they're representing you well and leading well on your behalf. What do they do that gives you confidence? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Uh, In full candor, you know, we're in what month? Nine, uh, since it was the end of January and now we're we're in October. We're, we're, We're still working. We're still working it out. Um, and I know that where we would love to say, hey, we know what our rhythm should be. We're getting there. We have moments where we have the rhythm and something like COVID happens and then you got to create a new rhythm. And what I love is that we have a team that is agile. And that, that's something that is very much needed because we went from just speaking in this season and giving a, an example. We went from a church like every other church doing church on Sundays. We were the church that did streaming. But streaming was really an afterthought. It wasn't, we didn't have a sound or tech team just worried about what was going up on our right. uh, church live site. So to have a team uh, switch and, and trust uh, me and my wife in this season of now turning our church into a television studio, uh, essentially, so that we could, we could now put on church um, and responding and learning and, and saying, hey, I've never done this before, but let's give it a go. Those are all the moments where that just that that puts so much trust in the tank that puts so much fuel in the tank, uh, so to speak, that it just allows us to move forward, looking at each other like, yeah, this is working. I got you. Yeah, you got me. Um, and, and secondly, what I think is most important, if you were to ask me what what is something that I appreciate most from 
any leader, any leader, it is transparency and authenticity. Transparency and authenticity. Those are two characteristics that mean the world to me. If, if I do something bad and you don't like it, please tell me. If I made you feel a certain way, please tell me. Um, if I don't agree, I'm going to tell you. But please tell me and understand that clarity is one of the greatest forms of respect for me. Yeah, that's that's very well said. And then let me ask you this question. How about you mentioned authenticity, you know, clarity. How about when your team messes up or can't get the job done? You know, a, a, a task is given and they can't, which we all know the the. It's the worst feeling in the world to come back to the person you report to and say, hey, I wasn't able to do that, wasn't able to deliver. Like, what would you like to see out of your team in terms of that, even when they don't feel like they can get the, the you know, the ball over the line for you? So that's a big question, man. That, that, that's a good one. Um, w- when it comes to a team setting out to accomplish a goal, someone like Ralph is really key because Ralph is famous for measuring twice and cutting once. So Ralph will be, will be quick to say, hey, you want me to go do it? I'll go do it. But as he's going to do it, he's going to say, hey, I'm not really sure. Do we have to do it right now? I think we could wait a few days and then we could get it done. And then we'll really get it done the way that you, you want to get it done. Um, for me, I'm all about charging the hill. Let's take it on. Let's go for it. I'm also really okay with hearing the facts as we charge and making a decision going, oh, oh, that's true. Okay, yeah, let's not do it. If after we, we set out to do what we do and it does fail or it doesn't go as good, and then I find out that someone withholds information, that's where I'm going to be frustrated. I, I'm probably less frustrated that it failed because I'd rather try and fail than fail and not know why it was going to fail. If Ralph says, hey, if we do this, I'm guessing most likely this is going to happen. And I say, all right, Ralph, you're probably right, but let's do it anyway. And we do it and he's right. I think I have no problem saying to Ralph, uh, well, I know I have no problem saying to Ralph, no, you were right on that one. It failed, but man, it felt good to get it out of my system. <laughs> like I, I don't, I, when, I think of, when I think of tasks or accomplishments, for me, it's, it's a big part of it is the journey. So how we get there together, together that really matters to me. Ralph, what would you say to that question just about the moment where you have to show up and maybe didn't hit it on something like what's going through your mind and how do you try to represent in that moment? Yeah. So, I mean, full, full candor, the gift that Chris has been to me, particularly in these last, I want to say two years has been his constant reminder to create the safe place for those conversations to have on a regular basis. I, I, I'm proud to say at this moment that um, I have a good amount of confidence to have those conversations consistently, faithfully, regularly, but it's because he has created both the space and he has advertised on a regular basis, even just now a few moments ago, the permission to communicate authentically, honestly, consistently, regularly, because that's important for him. So I have found that, um, yes, the nature of the conversation might be tough, but man, the fact that you're able to have it, that's half the battle. The other half of it is just, okay, let's do it. 
Um, and I mean, we've had those moments. There have been moments where I'm wrong because I'm a measure twice, cut once. If you leave it up to me, I can get stuck in the analysis, you know, paralysis of analysis and we won't move. Chris is on the move. So I feel like that yin yang, you know, we create a good balance there. And the team also provides that, you know, support and the council of many, there's wisdom safety. So I, I, I like the rhythm that we have right now, but yeah, I mean, that would be, those would be some of my thoughts. It's so good. It's so good. So in, in, you mentioned yin and yang, you mentioned, you know, you, you're complimentary toward each other. So with different personalities, with different giftings can always come the potential to end up on different pages. And I, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily, um, that we're evil or something, but, but sometimes we, we can end up like we have different thoughts about something and we have different opinions and I, we're going to get to alignment and unity in such an, in a second, which to me is just paramount. But when you find yourself, and I know you're just a few months into this, you're still carving this out, but if, and when you ever find yourself just on slightly different pages, maybe a question for either one of you, what do you do to stay on the same page and get back on the same page? Because I've just told leaders forever, just because you have a different opinion doesn't make you wrong. It just means you have a brain. It means you can think. So, so what is the journey like back to the same page? If you ever find yourself on different pages? Yeah, great. So again, I'd say two things real quick. Number one, um, can we just take a moment and celebrate the diversity? I, I love that on teams, you have people that represent um, different enagrams, different, you know, disc assessments. I think the beauty is in the in the diversity, um, because at least there's a representation at the table. I think in the in the midst of all that collaborating, you get, you know, you get the answer. The, the wisdom is often in in that space because God designed each person to be a particular way. So I would just say, man, if you embrace the diversity, that's that's half the battle. The other side of it is what I'll continue to reiterate, which is um, uh, the fierce conversations. Uh, that's a that's actually a book title. Uh, the, the thesis of that book is that the conversation is the relationship. The right. conversation is the relationship. So if you're not talking regularly, you're never going to get to the thing. There has to be a willingness to, hey, I feel not aligned, or I feel something's off, or I'm not connecting. Is there something I'm missing? And to the extent that you could be honest uh, with your leader or with your team, I think that that's where the magic is. It's it's working. I think what happens is we think it's just going to happen because we pray about it or we just rebuke it or it's just going to go away. And I've learned, man, the only way to get to it is to get to it. And so I would just say, man, embrace diversity, number one. Number two, just be about that regular, keep short accounts. Don't let anything get into because then that's where you get jammed. Yep. I think that, yeah, everything that Rob just said uh, is it. And if I were to if I were to say where I where I got these ideas from or where I really felt the need to to put my my foot on the gas on this is one I had an experience in youth ministry and when we when we led Misfit Misfit had a great growth and there are a lot of wins that I would look at Misfit and go man that was an incredible season there are a lot of things on the other side of it that I go man we could have we could have did that better I should have did that better I felt like I made a lot of rookie mistakes. So I had been traveling for over 10 years, uh, preaching for other people, conferences, churches, all that good stuff. Yep. And the last four years before transitioning in, what I started to do was really take advantage of my trips. So if you were going to invite me to come preach for you, cool, I'm going to need 
an hour or two hours with the pastor afterwards so that I could pick his brain. In fact, I remember uh, pre- uh, preaching in Tacoma. I wasn't preaching until Sunday night. I purposely flew in on Saturday night. I wasn't preaching for Champion Center, but I texted Pastor Kevin and I said, I'm going to be in town tomorrow morning. Um, can I please get lunch with you after you preach? Like, I wasn't even in town for you guys, but I was like, Pastor Kevin is such a great guy. I know he's going to give me the time. And he said, I'll give you, he said, yeah, let, let's do it. And we ended up doing two hours over lunch. And what I've always learned in those moments were hearing from the pastors in their transparency and their honesty, communicating what they built and what they want to see differently and where they're headed. So in my mind, as much as I love my peers, as, lo- as much as I love those that are doing it, that, that just started as well, if I were to hang out with them, I would have different questions for them. Which side note, leaders always ask questions to leaders, no matter how much or how little you know about them. Yeah. It's, you could spend your time talking about you, but who wants to, who needs to brag? No one needs to brag. I need to learn. That's, that's, that's what I believe our mindset should always be. So learning from leaders that have, that have skin in the game, 20 years, 30 years, I don't care how big their church is. They could tell me what could help me. What they could tell me could help me. And there are so many moments now where I've chatted with the lead pastor and then been hosted by somebody. And then that person just starts to talk. And then you start to see a little bit of the disparity. I go, okay, that's what I don't want. What I want is I want to know what everyone is thinking. I don't want them just to assume that they're with me because I said it. I have a personality that I can be very outspoken. I know that about me. Not everyone has that personality. The issue that outspoken people have, Enneagram 8, is that we think that everyone thinks like us when that's not true. I think one of the greatest lessons we could learn is that we all think differently. I don't want just yes people. I want leaders. I want people that could tell me the right way to do it. I know what you want to do, but if you really want to get there, it's not going to happen this way. And what all of those moments have taught me, it's, it's allowed me to really get my mind around the kind of team I want to build and the kind of church I want to build. That's so good. So good. Hey, since we brought up Enneagram twice now, you're an eight. Uh, Ralph, what's your number? I'm a number one with a wing two. Okay. That, that makes a lot of sense then. That's why we get everything done. Because ones, ones are the greatest. Um, Hey, I want to encourage anyone who's joining us live on the call here. Keep asking some questions. We've had some great questions come in and I'm actually going to go to one uh, from Andrew who, um, asked this. I thought this was a great question. I should have thought of this. Uh, Andrew asked this, what have you discovered about your relationship? So I think between the two of you, and again, Ralph, you're kind of standing in for a whole team here, you know, people, but what have you discovered about your relationship and flow recently that you wish you would have known right at the beginning, you know, starting in this new season of Chris being lead pastor and all that? What do you, what have you discovered now that you wish you knew at the beginning? I, I would say that um, I'll just echo what I said before, which is one of the things I learned from pastor Chris very quickly is that he wants it a particular way and he wants it straight. The running jerk uh, joke internally is that I am the consummate diplomat. And so oftentimes when I would talk with Pastor Chris, I would give him an illustration, an analogy. I would like ease my way in and he's like, bruh, bruh, get to it. And so I would say, I wish I knew that uh, maybe two years ago, it probably would have made his life a little easier and conversations a little shorter. So that would be the one thing I'd say I I wish I knew earlier. 
I think I have annoyed my Enneagram 8 pastor on an email a time or two because I'm like a four. So I'm like pouring my heart out and giving him perspective. And he's like, I don't literally don't even care about any of this. Yeah. But, you know, don't say the quiet part out loud on that. <laughs> uh, Chris, would you have any? What makes that so funny to me, uh, hearing it on this end, is that it's, it's 100% true, by the way. <laughs> um, it's not true for the reasons that I don't want the examples. I just want the truth. And then you can give me the examples. See, the issue here is that we're not just an organization running you know, an organization like a CEO of, I don't know, Ford or Chick-fil-A. We're, we're, we're a church and churches and leaders constantly communicate. So as a, as a preacher and as a communicator, when I'm hearing all these illustrations, I'm like, bro, I understand illustration. <laughs> Just give me the point. I don't need any of that. I can make I my said sorry, bro. I said sorry. I said sorry. <laughs> but uh, but but yeah, I mean that 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 is something that we. I think that was a really great question. Uh, by the way, shout out to whoever asked that one, um, because that is something we are always we are always operating. Whereas for for me, when I'm communicating to Ralph there are certain things that I know if I'm always communicating at the same level for his personality, he'll receive it because that's the position that he's in, but it won't be best for him. And I have to, I have to care about him as well. It's not just him caring about me. So, so for me, you could ask me how my day is. That's okay. Thank you for asking how my day is. But me asking about Ralph's day, that goes a long way for Ralph. Yeah. You asking me how my kids are, yeah, thanks, they're good. Doesn't do much for me. Me asking how Ralph's kids are, that there's a lot for him. And for me, if I don't want every, every conversation to feel like a fire or to feel like you got to get to it, then I, I should take 45 seconds, two minutes, three minutes to ask him about his day, his children, because there are going to be the moments where, all right, we got to cut straight to it. And he knows that when we go there, we got to go there. So I would, I would equally respond uh, in that regard. That's good. That's good. I do want to take a minute and talk about this current season that we all find ourselves in right now. I know we've had a lot of conversations about this, um, but I do have a question for you. Before we get there, I do just want to honor both of you and you, know, you Pastor Chris, for just a second in that your voice in this season has just been so good. And so, so needed and so clear. There's a lot of voices saying a lot of things right now. And I just want to thank you. You are, you are carving out such a kingdom first gospel centered. I just, I love every tweet. I love every sermon I've heard. I just want to say thank you because, um, I, I, I just can't say that about every voice right now. And I feel like that you, you have been so necessary and vital and thank you for even on a small part, just bringing clarity to my mind and to all of us in this season. And I've loved it. Um, let me ask you this about unity in this season, because I, I think one of the strongest things rising up in me right now is I think our number one enemy in the church right now is just division. And, and we're, we're facing a very divisive time, of course, not just politics and whatnot, which I don't even know if this is going to be out on the podcast before or after November 3rd. So God only knows what what in the world is going to happen? But um, our, our unity as, as a church is paramount. What are the two of you from each of your seats? What are the two of you doing to guard against division and create alignment in your church right now in, in this particular season we find ourselves leading in? Uh, Chris, maybe I can start with you on that. Yeah. I um, Again, thank you for saying everything you just said. So kind of you. 
I, I appreciate it. I think that I think that in this season, what we need is to listen. We need to listen before we speak. And you know, being in New York City, a church, our church is in Queens. Queens is the most diverse place on the planet. Uh, someone that grew up in that. Uh, growing up between Queens and Brooklyn, a lot of times being the only white kid, um, understanding on a very minimal, minimal scale, uh, some of the, some of what actually happens in our world or on the other side of it, uh, Ralph, growing up in my house with me and my white family, he's, he's not the same skin complexion as me, walking into a store in Ralph Lauren and watching them walk behind him and not behind me. And maybe if I didn't experience that firsthand, I would say, you're exaggerating. Yeah. Easy for people to do in this season. But because I've witnessed a lot of it growing up in New York, I've learned, man, everyone has their unique experiences. And just listen. And whether they're right or wrong in their outcome, you got to help them get there. So I could only respond to where I know where you're at. And I think what keeps it, what keeps it easiest is the gospel. Because the gospel, right, is not left, it's not right. It has its own place, its own disposition. And that's what we need to point people back to. Uh, I'll, I'll never forget a few, a few months ago, uh, somebody was in a, in a really tough place on our team, and rightfully so, everything's happening in the world. And, and they just said, they said, you know what? We're, we're a black and brown church and that's who we are. And you know, I'm on the call and my wife is on the call and my assistant's on the call who is from uh, the Washington area. And I'm like, we're kind of not, you know, uh, we're, we're a diverse church, but we're not a, but why'd he say that? He said that because every white person that he could think of in that moment had done him wrong. And he wasn't, he wasn't equating the fact that me and my wife and my assistant were also a part of that group that he was, he was talking about. He's like, oh, I'm not talking about you guys. You guys are good. And what I'm saying is you got to just let people talk and don't allow their emotions to overcome you. I think it's you allow their emotions to come out and you respond with kingdom, um, but allow it to come out. I, I, I think that's what we ought to be doing in this, in this season. And the Bible tells us to. We mourn with those that are mourning. We cry with those that are crying. We laugh with those that are laughing. We rejoice with those that rejoice. I, I think that would be such a beautiful thing. My, my wife said this statement last year that ended up becoming a mantra for our church. She said, we're in it for the long run. And that statement became became a theme. It became a sermon. It is now common language. If you come to St. Church, you're going to hear somebody say it. You're going to see it on the t-shirt. We're in it for the long run. And when I start thinking about the long run and I think about longevity, well, it has to go way further than November, right? It has to go way further than an election. It has to go way further than four years. So what is going to sustain us? So if I let you hang your hat on a candidate and a candidate that doesn't make it or makes it and then fails or the there, there's no longevity in that, right? So if the focus is Jesus, I'm not going to play. I'm not going to play the politics game. Um, just in response to you know th- this current season, great that we're in. That's great, and 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 that's exactly that's exactly to me the impact you've had is it's not our job to go righter or lefter. Like we go kingdom, we go deeper in the things of God. Um, Ralph, same question to you. What are you doing from? the second seat to guard against division and create alignment in this season? Yeah. What I would say is, you know, when you think about division, you think about division, right? It means two visions. F- for me, it's really simple. 
the antidote is to adopt and embrace one vision, and then that keeps you from division. So it's this idea that when you make a decision to live one life, you embrace one vision. This is why I love the series that we're in, in Kingdom, because I think the opportunity for the church is to embrace one biblical worldview, and so much of life for the church would be easier if we would just operate from that one life, one kingdom approach, instead of allowing all the other narratives to um, affect our pivot or our approach. I'm not saying we don't lean in and speak into the culture, but it's always from the perspective of, uh, no, we, we operate from kingdom, so we always elevate. The, the conversation has to come up higher. We set the bar, the standard. And right now, sometimes, depending you know where you look, uh, it just looks like one big minutia uh, of a mess. But I would just say, man, for me, it's, I always say when you live a principle-based life, 90% of your decisions are already, you know, so I don't think about division because I'm always thinking about unity. And so by virtue of embracing unity, you don't find yourself being divisive in any way because you've already made that decision before you face it. And so I, I just, yeah, I would just say that what a beautiful opportunity for us in this season to, you know, ask, ask God what he thinks about fill in the blank and then fully embrace his way uh, and then model that for the rest of the world. Absolutely. And I mean, at the end of the day, um, the church has faced harder things than this before. And, and we, we will get through this season. And I, I firmly believe the greatest days of the church are still ahead. Hey, I'm going to go to some questions from, from our group that is joining us here today, live on the call in no particular order. Um, okay. Heather asked this question. Um, I'd love to know, she said, I'd love to know the top three things every pastor needs from their staff in this season. <laughs> top three. <laughs> top three. I mean, I'm, I'm here nine months, guys. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> You're the expert. You're the expert. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it's, I, I think it's, I think it's honesty. Um, I think it's, I think it's boldness and I think it's empathy. Um, you know, empathy is probably my number one all the way around. Um, I understand as a pastor that the people I'm leading in a transition standpoint, they might've inherited me. So I'm going to show them empathy and say, I understand that that can't be easy on the flip. I would hope that they would say, hey, you inherited me and you just got here and you're now leading a 35-year-old church that you grew up in and then COVID hits and all these race wars break out. Yeah, I know I didn't hear from you on this idea, but praying for you. Uh, I think empathy leads to prayer, or it should. And I would say that is, that is equally my responsibility. Now, the question is framed, you know, what would I want for my staff? But I think it's also to say on the other side of my mouth is that I, that I offer that to them as well. Because, you know, living in Queens, uh, I'm sorry, doing ministry in Queens, you do have people 
that are scared to go outside, that are scared because of COVID or scared because of the racial tension and understanding that that is a real factor. That That is something very much real. We have a, a woman, she's black, she serves on team and she was overcome by fear uh, for a few weeks at the thought of her husband going outside in a car ride to get gas, to go to the drive-through. And yeah, that might take her away from work, but who cares about work at that point? Here's a value team member that's struggling with this. And I think we could all just lean in and know that the work will get done and don't ever, don't ever mistake the intensity and the passion for the vision to, to allow you to believe that we don't care about you or your soul. We care about you. However, I could only know what you inform me. And that, that is a principle that I do live by. However, in a season like this, it's not easy to express emotions, especially when they're so brand new. With these yeah. brand new emotions, some people don't have the eloquence to articulate what they're feeling and what they're going through. So it, it's, it's both-sided for me. Great question. Um, I would answer it. I would definitely answer it that way. Sounds like a great answer, even for nine months in. Perfect. Perfect. I love it. <laughs> Hey, uh, Ralph, I'm going to go to you on this one. This is um, from our friend John from Hillsong, Toronto, actually. Uh, John said, um, our church is still online, not meeting uh, in person due to government restrictions. Of course, they're over the border. Um, A little bit different up there. Um, What have you guys been doing as a church to mobilize people who would have been serving in person at weekend services, but aren't currently able to do so. So what is that looking like for you to mobilize and engage volunteers and people serving right now? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I would start by, um, by looking at all the opportunities online for people to engage. So one of the things we did, we went from one platform, which was Saints Church online, to three platforms. So by virtue of going to Saints Church, then Facebook, and then YouTube, what we did was we went from one platform to three platforms. What that did was create opportunity to schedule uh, host and front row teams to be involved in the chat room. And so by virtue of looking for creative ways to create more work led to more opportunity, which led to more people uh, serving virtually. One of the other decisions that Pastor Chris made was, hey, when somebody responds to a prayer request, let's go the extra mile and call them. And so when they fill out that prayer request, if there's a name or number and email, let's follow up. So that meant we had to go and grab our pastors and deacons and elders and say, hey, you're at the nine, the 11, the one, the three, when somebody fills out a prayer request, it's your job to call that person and pray with them. We pray with them in public. Go ahead and pray with them in private. Make sure there's nothing else we could do. So we were, um, I would say to that person, hey, look for ways to create opportunities for people to serve online. And I would say this, the minute you could move into, say, your building or space, even if it's limited capacity, what we're doing right now with a very small staff and a very small contingent of special ops, we're in the building. So there's cleaning opportunities, there's opening building, there's closing building, there's um, turning on the AC, turning on the lights. So again, I think with everything else, you know, the short answer would be take a long, hard look. And before you say, ah, there's nothing to do because we're not in the building, I would say if you look long and hard enough, you might find some, some new opportunities for, for serving uh, in this season. You've, you've never needed so many people on your facilities team, right? It's got, got to disinfect those chairs. <laughs> right, right. Another opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, Pastor Chris, Josh, 
ask this question. I thought I'd throw this to you. That Actually, this is uh, directed to you. You said this, uh, did you ever have the desire to be a lead pastor prior to your transition in January or prior to that season? And just what was your journey like in terms of, of you know, you're, you're, you're on team and you're leading, but you had this growing desire to be a lead pastor. What did that look like for you? No, I, I never had the desire. It was more of a response. So at seven years old, uh, Pastor Jim Simbola of the Brooklyn Tabernacle prophesied over me in my parents' kitchen in front of my, in front of my parents that I would be a pastor. Wow. And those words stuck with me. I spent a good amount of my teenage, uh, young, early young adult life trying to sabotage that calling. I went to school for psychology. I'm 11 credits away from my psych degree. And my whole idea was, God, I'll help people this way. I always believed in God. I always knew that being, in, being a Christian is the right way of doing things. Uh, I, would, I, would, I felt like I was trying to bargain with God. I help, I help people by being uh, a therapist or a psychologist. Uh, I'll work in deviant behavior. I'll, I'll do all that. But, man, I don't, I don't want to speak publicly. You know, I grew up in a pastor's home. I had no desire uh, to, lead, to lead a church. And then I got a taste of it in, within youth ministry. Um, but again, it was even youth ministry, as much as I loved the youth ministry, I always knew that there was a calling beyond that. So for me, it just felt more about obedience. I never really doubted that calling. Um, I was scared of it. I didn't want to do it. I was insecure at public speaking and things like that. But I never doubted that I was called because it was so clear to me. And I just never second guessed that uh, since the age seven. So I hope that answers the question. But yeah, it was never something like growing up being a pastor was not a cool thing. And we were like in a bubble, uh, like Ralph alluded to before. So we didn't even know other churches really existed. I mean, we didn't doubt that other churches existed. We were just only aware of our church. And growing up, my dad was the pastor. So yeah, it is what it is. And he, he started it and there was no thought about replacing him. Uh, so it was just a very different upbringing. Um, yeah, we all had this. On this call, we all had this uh, advantage that doesn't exist today, and that was the inability to see what everybody else is doing at any given moment, right? Like, all, all I knew was Champion Center. I didn't know anything else. Hey, I, I wish we could go back there. I do, too. I, I, real, real quick, funny story. Uh, my kids are with me in Florida with my wife. Um, we're there. I'm there to preach at a conference, but because it's Florida, I take the kids, we do Disney, do the whole park thing. And, um, we're running, we're running late to now the session that I'm supposed to be preaching at that night because we spent too long at the parks. Well, we're now running into this, to this conference center. And as we're getting in, like we make it right on time for like, you know, the second song of worship, but I should have been there like, you know, 30 minutes prior. And as we're there, we're standing in the front, you know, my daughter tugs me, she goes, dad, can we go to the green room? I looked at her and I said, how do you know green room? You know, she, she was five at the time. We never had green rooms growing up. And I remember in that moment going, oh my goodness, the world that she's growing up in compared to the world that I grew up in are year, light years apart. I mean, I didn't know what a green room was until I, you know, was given one and I didn't even know what to do with it. I was like, <laughs> I'm not green. I never heard of it. Like I just, I had no context for any of it. So, so just to, to that point that you just said, I know you were just saying it in passing, man, that would be such a gift. Thank God for social media, but that is the downside of this instant connection. hundred percent. hundred percent. Um, this question came in from Alex and I got you guys just a couple more minutes. We're going to get to as many questions as we can and then uh, we'll be good. 
Uh, Alex asked this. I thought this was great. How can I communicate with my pastor? Um, can we slow this down when it feels like a decision has already been made? So it feels like the decision's already gone. Like how, how can I communicate? I, I saw that question pop up. I thought that was brilliant. You should communicate it, Alex, but don't get upset if they don't, if they don't slow down. I think the win is not getting them to slow down. The win for you would be communicating it to them and then trusting the fact, well, these are your leaders. I'm going to just go with them. And if you end up being right, don't hold it against them. They'll be able to look at you and they'll go, oh, Alex did suggest that. But you don't have to, you don't have to advertise that after the fact. But the real win would just be sharing it in a very humble, loving, caring, considerate way as you do. Great. Ralph, do you have anything to add on that? Yeah, no, I would just echo that sentiment. I think that, you know, half the battle is, you know, finding the courage to communicate it and do it with respect and tact. I believe in earning trust. Um, so I would say to that person, you do that long enough, consistent enough. The next time you raise up a concern, I believe that there's opportunity for leaning yeah. uh, just because of the faithful, consistent, you know, uh, and I think working memory. You know, I don't have a problem saying, hey, the last time we were in this predicament um, and pointing back, not like in a derogatory way, but just saying, hey, just want to keep this in mind as we move forward. And then allowing for that working memory to help um, the relationship and build that, you know, that that rhythm uh, where there's that that constant communication, because yeah. I, I still believe that in the council of many, there's wisdom and safety. So that that's a two way street. So, um, yeah, I would just encourage that young, you know, that person to keep, you know, keep, keep giving it a, a, a go there. You see something, you say something. Well, and, and don't you think it's way more about the long game than it is the short game. And sometimes we get, we get so out of sorts over one idea or one thing. And like, there are conversations just in the last couple of years at my church. I've been, I've been a part of our church for like 39 years or something like that. And, and on staff for, I mean, I've been on in ministry 20 years next summer. So somewhere in there, just in the last couple years, I feel like I got invited into conversations. I actually prayed to be a part of for years, but it's like, we can get really frustrated in the short term game when we're not getting invited or can't speak when really guys ministry gets way better. It gets way better the longer you're in it and you actually get to speak to the things you, you want to you know, at some point, um, Jeffrey asked this question and I'm a little mad because I was just at Jeffrey's church on Sunday, actually. And Jeffrey asked me for book suggestions and he either already finished the book suggestions I gave him or, uh, he's not going to read them. So either way, uh, this question comes from Jeffrey. He said, any book suggestions that have encouraged and strengthened, um, the way you lead any, any resources you guys would recommend? Yeah, we, we, we for sure have a few. Um, the one that I would give off the bat is Patrick Lencioni's The Advantage. That book has been a roadmap for us as a team, uh, especially at Saints Church, our lead team. I mean, that is, that is just something we, we, we use pretty often and refer to pretty often. It's how, we run, we, it's how we run our meetings. It's how we communicate. All of it comes from The Advantage by Patrick Lencioni. Yeah, definitely that book. Uh, that's been a gift, a gift to us. Um, the other book I would recommend would be um, Emotionally Healthy, whatever, Leadership, Church, because I think that, um, you know, in this season, I think self-awareness, 
is critical to the game. And I think that for every leader to know their journey, their story, their strengths, their weaknesses, their triggers, it just makes the, the leadership experience all the more better when there's awareness. I used to watch a, a cartoon growing up called G.I. Joe, and the tagline was, knowing is half the battle. And I think that when you don't even know that there are these levels to leadership, uh, you might be operating out of like a grid and don't even know why certain things are working or not working for you. So I like that book. It's a once a year read for me because it just keeps me, uh, you know, in check on that front. So I, I would encourage that. And Great. also Naked and Afraid by Kevin Jarrett. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Come on, somebody. Played. Well played, Mr. Durso. Yes. I see what you did there. I appreciate every once in a while I get a text from a leader somewhere with, from a, inside of a bookstore, you know, the, the picture of the book. It's funny. Oh, that's KG. Hey, um, I've really valued this time today. Um, I know you guys have a lot going and uh, for you to take some time out to invest into leaders. Um, thank you. Thank you for, for making the space for, for giving us some gold today. I just want you to know, I highly, highly value it. And um, I'm just going to go to the last question. Um, which is my own and just kind of let you guys speak to it how you will and just share from your heart as we land. Um, at the end of the day, I, I, um, I hope that everyone listening in this season is just proud to be a, a believer and, and proud to be a church builder. I know it's not always easy right now to be a Christian and to be in leadership and to, to be a church builder. The landscape is very interesting right now, but I emerged from this summer just more convicted than ever about, about how essential our mission is, how important the work is that every single person watching today, what you wake up and do every day matters for the kingdom. So I guess I'm each of you, maybe I'll start with Ralph and, and then go to you, Chris, to end this, but just simply, what is your greatest prayer for the local church in this season? We find ourselves in the stakes have never been higher. What's your prayer for the church right now? Yeah, great, great question. You know, I would say that when I think about the church at large, um, I pray regularly for the wisdom to know what to do. Um, watching Pastor Chris and Jairus, because that's my proximity, the amount of decisions they've had to make, the things that they've had to, I honestly don't know how I just don't know how anyone could do it, but I don't feel sorry because I know that whoever God calls, he equips, right? So my prayer has been, God, grant wisdom. You know, the Bible talks about the men of Issachar. They knew the times and they knew what to do. So when I think about the church, I, I pray for all the pastors. God, give them wisdom to know what yeah. they're supposed to do in their context with the resources that they have. The, the other thing I would say, and this is something that I always pray for the church, to your point, Brandon, we have such an incredible responsibility to represent Jesus yes. and represent his kingdom. Um, we actually speak on his behalf. So the possibility that someone would be formulating their opinion of Jesus on the basis of what we say and do, I go, OMG. The stakes are high. We don't work for Starbucks. We don't work for Apple as beautiful as those organizations are. Our business is a whole nother level. And so my prayer for all of us, um, me included, would be, God, we have an incredible opportunity to represent. And I just want to represent you accurately, uh, consistently, and, and faithfully. 
in this season because we all know when it's all said and done, we're going to stand before the Lord and give an account. And so that would be my that would be my prayer for for the church in this season. That's it. That's it. Awesome answer. Awesome answer. Uh, Chris, last last word from you. Yeah, Barner uh, put out these stats, and two of them really stuck out to me. Uh, it's all predicated on the season of COVID. Fourteen percent of people that are a part of a church, fourteen percent of churchgoers are part of any church, leave that church for another church. They made a decision within COVID because of how their church has handled COVID or racism or whatever the concern was, they left their church for another church that met their felt need. That concerns me, but not as much because at least they're still in community and at least they're still in church. The one that scared me was 30% of people that are part of any given church have left the church and have chosen to not go to church anymore, not necessarily renounce their faith, but possibly renounce their faith or just say, I don't want to be a part of a church anymore because of how the church behaved in COVID during the racial tension or anything else. And my concern, my prayer right now is for those 30%. I'm praying for the 14%, let them go well, let them be blessed. But man, that 30%, that has stopped going to church and is now in danger of just isolating themselves or following a certain narrative that they see on social media or following a certain narrative of what their emotions are telling them or maybe what a relative is telling them. And now as a result, they've turned their back on community. They could say, I still believe in God. The issue is the word of God tells us not to forsake the gathering of the brethren. That, that, that verse is actually known as the assembly of the saints, which I have a certain affinity for. I think it is essential for any person or any believer to stay connected to the body. I, I pray one day that all people one day find themselves in the church. But in this season, my current prayer is for that 30%. My prayer for the church is that they pay attention. That they don't say, well, at least we're reaching new people. Everyone is reaching new people right now. If you, if you ask any pastor, they're going to say, man, I'm shocked. I'm reaching more people than I, than I ever thought we could reach before. That's a beautiful thing. However, there were 30% that you were responsible for that have left you. So I can't just replace 30% with a new 30% and be happy that the numbers uh, equal out. Those, that 30% represents real people, real lives, real souls. My, my, my hope would be that we would, we would be thinking about them and praying praying for them and that churches would keep the main thing, the main thing, the right thing, the right thing. We're called to be stewards and that matters a whole lot. Stakes are high and, um, but, but Jesus is faithful. And, um, this season, I just really believe it's the kindling for everything God's going to do in the future. Hey, Ralph, I'm going to ask you to do something when we leave or as we leave your day, would you're, you're representing all of us who serve under a pastor who lead, on a lead team in the second chair, would you just pray for everyone listening today? I got just specifically would love you to thank you. By the way, Ralph, you are, you're such a gift and your, your perspective. I I hope everybody just really gleaned and caught something from you today. So why don't you just kind of pray and send us out on that if you would. Yeah. Brandon, thanks again. Um, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for um, this conversation. Um, Thank you for the privilege. Um, to, to serve under you, uh, the chief shepherd uh, and the overseer of our, of our souls. 
God, I'm so grateful for every single person that was a part of today's conversation that will listen uh, in the future. And I just pray um, for grace for the assignment. Um, Lord, I pray that there would be a moment in every single person's life where they would be able to say like David, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. God, would you would you rid us from this thing that we're always looking at what we don't have? Adam and Eve in the middle of a garden, and they're looking at the one thing, the one tree they can't have. God, would you help us to embrace whatever you give us with joy, that we would embrace the lane, the assignment, the role, that we would consider it a privilege to be a door holder in your house. You saved us. You called us. We're in relationship with you. We're in part of your family. That should be enough. Why would we ever make it about a title or a position or something else? Lord, I pray for everyone in the sound of my voice that you would give us grace to own the thing that you've entrusted to us and to be a faithful steward of it all until you return. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hey, thank you guys in the chat. Help me thank these guys so much today for some time. And um, man, we value you, appreciate you and praying for you guys from the West Coast to the East Coast. Uh, we're all in this together. So thank you again for for your wisdom today. We love you. Thank you. Thank you guys. Well, so glad you've joined us today for this conversation. And again, if you are um, interested in having access to future conversations like this, uh, happening regularly, join us on the Leading Second Collective, which is a Facebook group. We would love to have you part. That's our community. That's where we do life. And we'd love to have you there. Hey, Leading Second, we love you. So thankful that we get to do life and ministry with you. Some of you I know, many of you I don't, but I just want you to know I pray for you regularly. Pray that God's grace is on your life as we navigate and lead in a very um, interesting season right now. So Leading Second, we love you. Praying for you. Until next time, let's run strong for the kingdom and lead in an uncommon way together. For more information, you can go to leadingsecond.com and find our digital magazine. You can also follow us on Instagram at leadingsecond to keep up with our community of uncommon church builders. Oh,